Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to The Passing Shot, the tennis podcast by fans. I'm Joel. I'm Kim. And today we are previewing the French Open draws. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Kim, it's time to head to the Parisian clay. The French Open is upon us. It starts on Sunday. It's one of those grand slams that it catches me off guard a little bit, actually, starting on a, on a Sunday. It has the round one over the first three days. So Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Um, we're in a new decade. It is 2020. Uh, I think it's safe to say that the decade previous was the decade of Rafael Nadal at the French Open. I mean, just kind of going into the tournament, obviously, has been a massively quick turnaround from New York to Paris. Nadal is back. He didn't play. Um, he didn't play in in Flushing, but he is back. I mean, do you see this decade as well? Is it going to be dominated by Rafael Nadal again, or are we in? Are we in for a, a new era? Well, Joel, as a Rafa fan, I would I would love for us to be discussing this in ten years' time, two thousand and thirty. <laughs> Rafa, forty four years old, uh, having dominated <laughs> another decade, which is highly unlikely. I do hope that COVID hasn't put a stop to his reign at Roland Garros because you know it's taking place at a weird time of the year. It's very different to normal. The conditions are very different. There is now a roof. They're going to have uh, you know they've got floodlights. They're going to be playing in the evening it's it's all very you know different and Rafa hasn't had to um you know play roller girls in that situation before so but we'll get onto that in a bit um I mean I have to say you know there's a bit of controversy isn't there Joel going into the tournament starting on Sunday with regards to the fans uh they've they've got 5,000 fans per day uh currently um kind of going to be allowed to enter the site but the the government restrictions in France actually limit limit that to a thousand. Um, so I think Roland Garros are sort of being a bit cheeky, aren't they? Really, and having to get an exemption to to kind of have these numbers in. Yeah, I mean, we'll see if that exemption is allowed. But it's it's funny because it felt like in the you know in the build up to the U.S. Open. The, you know all the kind of conversation was all around the you know the bubble the player bubble and the, the hotel um and it feels like now with Roland Garros we've got an extra dimension here fans spectators are going to be um in the grounds kind of watching matches which is great and you know I guess to people on the outside it kind of suggests that we are slowly potentially getting back to you know new normality um at a, at a grand slam level but I certainly think there is still that question I think we spoke about on earlier podcast in terms of is this too soon um and is this at odds um you know with kind of government advice it certainly feels like it's at odds with 
you know, government advice in the in the UK. But um, yeah, I mean, interestingly, Guy Forget, the the tournament director, kind of came out today and he said he he was saying like it's really super safe at Roland Garros, and actually it is more risky. In his own words, Kim, it is more risky to go to a supermarket, to an amphitheater, and to take the metro. And Kim, I mean, taking the metro, I mean, I don't know what Forger is thinking, but in my head, I feel like spectators need to take the metro in order to get to Roland Garros. Well, quite. And they'll be taking the virus from the metro to the site, I suppose. Uh, I mean, it depends. You know, you could stay locally and, and walk to the site. It depends what proportion of those fans are kind of Parisians, uh, if they're driving there, etc. But I'm pretty sure, yeah, a, a lot of them would be needing to use the metro. And well, I mean, I know he's trying to obviously downplay the the possible risk. And, you know, it is an outdoor event, but um, it's going to be interesting if there's sort of heavy rain delays and people clustered around and they're going to have to really uh, have very strict protocols in terms of movement around the you know, the grounds and such like. And yeah, it'll be an interesting dimension. Will, you know, will we see more people, more players testing positive um, in, in Roland Garros than we did at the US Open? You know, there've been sort of some scepticism about the hotels um, that are being used and and the sort of severity and strictness of the procedures uh, compared to Flushing Meadows. So it's interesting to to kind of, to compare the two events and how they've, how they've been organised. I just hope that you know bringing fans into the um into the you know the mix at the event I just hope it doesn't add an extra level of complexity at a time where you know I think with grand slams we just need, we just want to keep it as basic and simple as possible and you know if that means having no fans then so be it it's just great to you know have you know live tennis on our on our screens and let's kind of move on to the draws themselves. We're going to start off with the the men's draws. Um, obviously, no Roger Federer here, uh, like in in New York. We're going to be kind of fronted, I'd say, by kind of three three favourites: um, Novak Djokovic, Rafa Nadal, of course, and Dominic Team. Um, you feel like they're in a group on their own in in kind of in terms of kind of the favourites. And let's just kind of have a look first of all at their draws, because I think if you kind of compared each of their draws, I don't think they're all on the same playing field. I think you can certainly rank them in terms of how easy how easy they are to navigate. And I think if you would to put who's got the easiest draw out of all of those at the top, you'd think it would be Novak Djokovic, wouldn't you? I would agree. Yes. Out, out of the top three, um, I guess it's maybe the new big three, perhaps. Uh, I think Novak and Rafa, you know, I think their draws are reasonable. Dominic team seems a bit more of a of a nightmare if we look at the <laughs> the names in his draw, in his potential draw. I mean, because, you know, it may not happen. But yeah, I think Novak, um, I, well, I don't think there's very much for him to, to grumble about, really, especially in the early rounds. I mean, I don't really think he's going to be properly challenged until potentially the semi-final, which would be against either Tsitsipas or Medvedev. You know, he's, I think he's going to come through quite swimmingly in those early rounds. And, you know, having won Rome and, you know, had a lot more time actually because of his default with the US Open to kind of get to grips with the clay. I think he's looking, dare I say, the favourite uh, for the title. Yeah, because I think a lot of people, you know, coupled with the fact that, you know, Nadal lost to Schwartzman in Rome, you know, Novak went on to win it. 
are you know people are questioning actually who's who's the favorite going into Roland Garros is it Novak Djokovic or is it Rafael Nadal and you know looking at his draw he's definitely got a he's definitely got time to kind of work himself into the tournament I guess there is a potential uh you know you know maybe there's a potential um thinking that you know he might get to the you know the latter end of the tournament potentially undercooked um given you know the sorts of opponents he's he's got I mean he could play I mean Delian or Brankis in in round two if you get screwed kind of you know Emir from Sweden in in round one but um you know the fact that he only has to play one of potentially Sissipas or Medvedev in the semi-final I think is a big is a big plus um uh, you know Bautista Agut or Berrettini in the quarters I definitely think that could be that could be source of a, a for a banana skin potentially. We all know, we both know how good those players are in a clay court. But you do kind of, you are kind of looking at it, thinking he should have, um, he should really be able to kind of get to the to get to the final, um, you know, quite, you know, quite easily. Really, um, I think. <laughs> I think the question is, you know, we've got to go into US Open being like, well, the only person who can beat Novak Djokovic is is himself, and. I think there's an air of that again here because, you know, we can't not obviously talk about the fact that he got disqualified in in Flushing Meadow. You know, how how do you kind of see that kind of play out? Do you think that's going to potentially play out on his mind? Do you think we're still going to see that sort of emotional energy on a court, but kind of displayed in a different way? Or do you think he's going to try and kind of just bottle it in? I don't think he's going to be completely zen. Uh, I think he's still going to get frustrated. I think, you know, we did see that in Rome. He was getting a bit worked up. But I think, you know, he will be, or he should be at least, much more careful about, you know, errantly throwing balls away. Um, It just depends if he gets into any kind of tricky situation, really. You know, for example, potentially in the quarterfinal, if he was to find himself a set and a breakdown or something, you know, he might get a bit worked up. But I think he would be pretty silly to make the same mistake kind of two slams in a row and and god forbid you know another default on the horizon I, I think he will have learned his lesson and I, I don't mean it's very you know, the chances of what happened in in flushing meadows you know actually having happened and then having happening again is so slim I don't think we're gonna see uh the unexpected happen again uh dare I say it not in that way anyway it feels like it's a lesson you learn once and you hope to learn never again yes um, <laughs> but um yeah I mean he's he's definitely got a a really good I mean he's definitely got one of the easiest draw I would say of kind of the top three um let's move on to Rafa um you know obviously you're a big Rafa fan I mean his draw again is quite manageable but I certainly think there's some kind of trickier prospects um you know after he kind of navigates kind of the you know round one kind of round two um you know for British fans he could face Dan Evans potentially in round three um but I'm just kind of looking beyond that I mean if he plays Fognini in round four I mean we all know Fognini has had the better of him you know at Grand Slam level you know he beat him at the US Open and can be quite a formidable opponent on a clay court so again I think that could be a quite a you know, I think that would be a very good test to see actually where where Nadal is at because you know he wasn't firing on all cylinders against Schwartzman. He's only played three matches or so. Uh, you know, coming out of of lockdown, so you know there's going to be questions there on how you know match match ready he is. Exactly. I think you know even if you look at uh, who who else it could be in in the fourth round, it could be John Isner, which I, I don't expect him to get there. But I do remember. 
a horrendous match uh, with Rafa and John Isner in one of the early rounds many years ago. Isner was you know, doing very well against Rafa and I was very stressed as a Rafa fan. Um, yes, I think from kind of the fourth <laughs> round onwards, uh, potential bogey skin, bogey skins, banana skins. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I mean, uh, you know, will will the, you know, being at best of five sets, is that actually good for Rafa? It's going to allow him more time on court to kind of get his groove, you know, because he's coming into Roland Garros for the first time having played basically nothing um you know normally he's coming in having played you know three or four events and racking up titles galore so it's so different and he's going to need those early rounds to kind of get into the swing of things I think Gerasimov first round possibly Mackenzie McDonald second round I think those players will allow him to do that um and yeah if it's Dan Evans in the third round that's pretty that's pretty cool if that happens um I would very much be interested to see how Dan would fare against Rafa but um yeah I think you know Fognini you know that is a, a dodgy uh, opponent and then you know quarters possibly Zverev uh if he's you know continuing his uh his runs going deep in at slams this year 2020 and then I guess everyone would be looking forward and hoping for a Rafa team semi-final I think that would be kind of a, the ultimate showdown you know Dominic team having just won his first slam having you know lost the last two French finals to Rafa like and having beaten him at the Australian Open this year it almost seems like that is the inevitable or like the matchup that everyone's kind of would be salivating over to see how team would fare up against Rafa um whether that's going to happen I don't know I'm intrigued to see how team will do off the back of Flushing Meadows and as we mentioned just previously his draw is 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 Interesting. Uh, he opens against Marin Cilic and he's got uh, another slam champion in the fourth round, Stan Wawrinka, you know, former Roland Garros champion. Or Andy Murray. Let's, or, let's remember okay, him. Sorry, or, yeah, Andy or Andy Murray. Murray. I mean, okay, these players might not even get there. We're getting way too ahead of ourselves. But on paper, if it was to work out, you know, with those names... You know, even Casper Ruud in the third round, like he's been doing very well on, on the clay. You know, he got to the semis in Rome. You know, he... It's a, it's not an easy draw, and if teams got any kind of, I don't know, lag or tiredness or kind of emotional conundrum as a result of kind of that epic win in New York, then he he might fall by the wayside. What do you think? Yeah, I, I yeah, I think it's uh, yeah, it's. I mean, with Dominic Team, we've not obviously seen him, um, you know, on a on a clay court. We've you know, he won the U.S. Open and didn't you know, play Rome. So it's hard to, it's hard to know. I mean, he's, he's, he's in a situation which is, is a bit weird. Basically he's going, he's going like back to back grad slabs, one on a hard court, one on a clay court, you know, making that, um, doing that adaption is going to be doing that transition even is going to be very tricky. And I don't think, you know, you look at the, his draw, I don't think his sort of, um, his route really kind of enables him to kind of find his way, you know, and feel his way into playing on a, a clay court um, uh, at all, really. Because, yeah, as you said, he's got Marin Cilic, Grand Slam champion, of course, uh, in the first round, who, you know, is still, in, you know, is in the twilight of his careers, but definitely could still uh, pose, definitely pose some questions, as could Riley Apelka, uh, potentially, in, in round two. As you said, Kasper Ruud had fantastic form um, of late on the clay. I think he's 14 and three on, on clay this season. So really kind of a tricky opponent there. And then, yeah, it just kind of gets kind of 
tougher from there on in. Um, I don't think pressure is going to be an issue. I think the US Open kind of proved that I think that he can handle handle pressure and handle that, you know, that expectation, you know, when Djokovic was disqualified and all eyes are on team, he was able to kind of, um, you know, get the job done. So I'm, I don't think he's going to, you know, play differently now that um, you know, he's a Grand Slam champion and you feel, you will feel like a marked man, for example, because he's been here before. And as you said, he's been to the the final before and, and he will... Um, you know, he will, he will, he will be, he will be desperate to kind of, you know, prove himself and, you know, prove himself on, on, on a clay court. And, uh, you know, it, it, I think the quite a question going into the draw was which side of the draw he was going to land on. And for, you know, Rafa fans, they were hoping, or, you know, he would be on Novak's side. And for Novak fans, they're probably hoping, you know, he was on Rafa's side. And he, you know, he has ended up on Rafa's side. And, you know, if, if that semi final does happen, you know, we could be in for, we could be in for a real treat. Well, and I'm sure that Roger Federer will be wanting Dominic Team to stop both Novak and Rafa from racking up more slam titles whilst he's, you know, whilst he's absent and not able to kind of even attempt to to add to his own total. Um, yeah, I think I think you know, are we looking at anyone beyond these three players for, from taking the title home in you know two and a bit weeks? Is it likely that anyone other than those three could could possibly win? I would say there's a 98% chance that uh, that won't happen. <laughs> I think we've got a gap between the three kind of favourites in team Nadal and Djokovic and then kind of the, the chasing pack and, and the next geners. I still feel there's a bit of like an unknown quantity in, in that chasing pack. And, you know, if we kind of move on to some of the other kind of other seeded players in the draw, I mean, I'm talking about kind of Daniel Medvedev, who... Um, hasn't had a great, um, he played in, in Hamburg this week and lost to, to Umber, um, in his kind of first match since, uh, the, uh, since the US Open. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I can't really see them kind of posing a threat if they go kind of deep in, in kind of the competition. As I said, kind of Medvedev could face Sissipas in, in the quarterfinals. I mean, he's got a tough opener against, um, Fushkovitz and could play Rublev in, in round floor. So I certainly think Medvedev has got, um, you know, has got a, a kind of a tall, tallish order. And I don't really know how good he is on a clay court. I feel like we know how good he is on a, on a hard court. Um, and, you know, he had some really good form last year. I think he beat, you know, he beat Djokovic and Sissipas in Monte Carlo. Um, and he made the Barcelona final afterwards and I think where he lost to, to Dominic team but um yeah I don't know I'm, I'm still a bit kind of juries out there on on how good is is Medvedev on a clay court yeah I think is he's not someone that you immediately think of as being a big contender but you know his game you know he he is such a quality player and, and as you said like last year he did have some very decent results on the clay so there's absolutely no reason why he shouldn't kind of get to the semis and justify his his seeding and his ranking um and i mean even potentially he could he could go all the way and i suppose he would be one of the candidates to that you would most think would do that if if those uh, the big 3 the new big 3 or whatever um can't do so I mean, also, you know, um, Dominic, I was going to say Dominic Tsitsipas then, Joel. I've gone mad. Um, (laughs) Stefano Tsitsipas. Um, You know, another entity or Sasha Zverev, you know, they're the chasing pack, aren't they? And when Dominic teams managed to break through and get a slam now, how long will it be before someone else does? You know, funnily enough, we could see two new slam winners in a row, potentially, uh, if 
strange things you know happen but uh yeah it's uh strange things have happened haven't they so well, it's 2020 so god knows what's gonna happen basically i think um it does look like the you know if there is one quarter where there could be a any and it feels like the door is sort of half open it does feel like that medvedev quarter as i said it's you know sisipas is in there dimitrov i mean shapovalov who has been you know just broken into the top 10 again is a is someone i've got my eye on who could potentially cause upsets and, and go deep who I, who just plays kind of fearless tennis um yeah i i'm i'm not so i'm not so sure about medvedev kind of um living up to his seeding and getting to that semi but um i certainly think that there's there's danger in that quarter and it, you know everyone in that quarter between medvedev and, and sispas in the draw could could potentially um you know go like go deep to the kind of the the semi-finals um i mean just kind of talking about um Sissipas, yeah i mean he could have cuevas in in round two that could be quite a quite a good encounter um and then you could play shapovalov or dimitrov in in round four um so yeah i think that quarter is interesting i think it's up up for grabs um and then yeah zverev i mean who who knows who knows kim what, what's, <laughs> what's gonna happen with, what, what with is he gonna yeah what serve is gonna turn up you know will he <laughs> will he have the foibles on his serve and i mean i just yeah he's an unknown quantity sometimes uh but uh yeah it's it's exciting i think there's definitely way more chance for a player that isn't rafa nadal to win this year um mostly i think because rafa's coming in having only played three matches and you know, it's going to be a different kind of set of conditions as well. Um, I'm really hoping they're still going to have their red geraniums out though, Joel, because they do look really, really nice <laughs> around the court. And I'm, I'm, ho- I'm not really a horticultural expert, but I'm hoping that they still are flourishing at this time of the year. Um, let's move on though to British chances, Joel, because the draw has kind of given us the most amazing first round between Andy Murray and Stan Wawrinka. I mean, what are the chances of that? Uh, I don't really know. I mean, I, I mean, I'm expecting Stan to, to win that just because of his, you know, his pedigree on on clay. I mean, obviously Andy has an amazing pedigree on clay as well, but I just don't know how Andy would fare against against Stan. But having said that, you know, Stan has had his injury problems as well and isn't really the player that he he used to be. So that could be a humdinger. I'm, that's going to be one that we're all going to be glued to the TV screens for sure. I'm hoping that match actually, I've always been against like a Sunday start for, for Grand Slabs, but actually in this occasion, I'm I'm okay if they put the Murray-Vavarinka match on, on the weekend. Because I feel like it that is like a no-brainer really, um, because it's such a, it's such a box office match. And I think they still, you know, they've still got a lot to give to the game. And I always remember, you know, Murray, when he came back from his hip injury, he played Vavrinka in that um, ATP 250 final in, in Antwerp at the European Open. And that, they put on such a fantastic match that was, uh, you know, it was just such a great occasion. And they've had so many great matches, um, you know, over their over their careers. I think it's a sort of bittersweet matchup because they played each other. Murray's actually last match at the French Open was against Vavrinka, I think around uh, three years ago. And um, he lost in in five sets in the semi final, and and really that was the moment. Um, I think Murray put it, you know, basically said himself was that was the match that you know turned out to be the end of his hip, and you know it's just um, 
you know, sport has a funny way of kind of making, you know, kind of making these stories. And um, it's quite poignant, I think, that, you know, on Murray's return, um, you know, he faces Favrinka and, you know, it's quite funny because that, you know, we saw in the build up, they were practicing with each, with each other um, on that court. They had that, uh, that epic match on and we thought, you know, that might be the end of it. But no, the, the draw gods have been, you know, really kind of, um, you know, have favoured us in terms of giving this, uh, giving us this round one match. Um, you know, I'm, I'm on that sort of fence of kind of, I'm just happy to see Andy Burrow on a court. I'm happy to see Stan on a court. And I'm, I'm not actually bothered about like, oh, that's a tough draw and one of them's going to go out in the first round. I just love having this marquee matchup um, in the first round between two Grand Slam champions because I just don't feel that that happens that often. Yeah, it's very rare. I mean, we we will have it with with um, Dominic Team and Marin Cilic as well. But uh, oh, yeah, that one good. that yeah. one is a bit more of a maybe expected result. But uh, yeah, it doesn't happen very often, and that's the I guess the joy of uh, of kind of Andy Murray being a wild card. He could have, I mean, he could have got anyone, I suppose. But uh, yeah, very much looking forward to that one. Uh, Dan Evans is also facing a, a big name. Uh, he's got Kane Shikori, you know, so. I mean, Nishikori hasn't particularly been doing that well. He's, he's, uh, you know, not really how, you know, he's, he's been out for such a long time, had so many injuries. He's, he's not, uh, the player that he, you know, once was. And, uh, I think Dan's got a chance there. I mean, he, Dan hasn't been as convincing on the clay as, uh, as on the hard courts, but I think, I think he, he could do that one. I think he could get through that one. I'm not so sure that you agree, but <laughs> yeah, um, I think Nishikuri. I know Nishikuri's not been great coming coming back, and he's still finding his feet. But I, I think over five sets, I feel like Nishikuri could do that. Um, or we've obviously got Cam Norrie as well in the draw. He's up against um, a qualifier that's uh, to be announced. Um, but another qualifier who is in, and this is a great story, Kim Liam Brody, who he's kind of been milling about on you know on the circuit not really been in a grand slam main draw uh for for a while for 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 more than a while actually but um he has come through qualifying came through qualifying today beat um australian mark polman 7664 um and yeah he is uh the fifth british man uh in the the men's singles and um it it was great i mean i, I was kind of watching the the end of it he was so emotional he just kind of you know, lay down on the court as soon as he won it. And um, yeah, I think it's his first main draw appearance uh, without a, without a wild card. sorry, with outside of Wimbledon. Um, so yeah, it's just a, a great, it's just a great achievement for him. And it was great to see kind of all the, you know, the effort, the sweat, the toil that he's put in um, it, it's paid dividends and um, it's a, you know, it's a great story. Yeah, it's fantastic. You know, it's it's he's he's made he's finally you know broken through in this in the sense of the word and and managed to qualify and uh, yeah, absolutely good on him. And you know, Andy was watching him him do it, sort of clapping and cheering along for him, which is really nice. And uh, yeah, I think I think you know also having had the Battle of the Brits, and I think that's probably helped um, Brody as well. I think he sort of has mentioned how how much more kind of supportive and collaborative like the British team are, like the team of players. I think that having those events that Jamie Murray organised have been really helpful uh, in that respect. And, you know, this is kind of a, a fruition of, of, that, of that kind of experience that he had um, earlier on in the summer. So 
we will await uh, to see uh, how he does in the main draw. But, you know, the first things first, you know, this is a fantastic achievement. And, uh, you know, we, we've had Carl Edmund uh, sadly pull out of the tournament. So, you know, we would have had... Um, we would have had five male players in the draw, but you know we've 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 got four. Um, so yeah, I don't know who's going to go furthest. I don't know who's going to go deepest. We maybe we'll make some predictions later, Joel. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> lots to be excited about. I mean, let's just go back to some of the first round matches that we've got in the men's draw because we mentioned Chilich and team and you know, Andy and Stan. But my gosh, we've got some absolute corkers coming up. I mean, we've got Pospisil against Berrettini. Pospisil was doing very well at the US Open. So I mean, quite intrigued. My eyes did not go there instantly. I'm more excited about Shapovalov versus Gilles Simon. Simon oh, yes. is one of my favourite, oh, one of my favourite players. One of my Gilles Simon, don't you? One of my favourite <laughs> double-handed backhands in the game. Um, so Sinner, I'm looking for... Sinner Goffan as well, Joel. Yannick mm. Sinner. Goffan. And Roberto uh, Bautista Ogier, against Gasquet. I mean, it's great. Oje Aliassim versus Nishioka as well. I'm yeah. I'm kind of looking forward to that because those uh, obviously two had um well they Nishioka was on the lose again to, to Andy Murray in um in the, the US Open and Oje Aliassim was on the win again. But um they're both kind of fantastic players and I don't think Oje Aliassim has had that very good uh, results on clay um, since making the switch. So maybe um, Nishioka could sense an, an upset there. But um, yeah, I mean, Struff, Tiafo, um, as I said, Medvedev, Fuskovitz, that feels quite a tricky one for, for Medvedev. There's certainly lots of kind of matches to kind of look forward to in round one. Um, one, one, one match I'm looking forward to also, or one individual I'm looking forward to. I just hope actually, Kim, he makes it on the tennis court because he did not make it onto the tennis court in, in Flushing Meadows. And that was Benoit Pair, um, who, it, I, you know, it, it's a very interesting, he, it, it feels like he's been the most, potentially like the most hard done by player by kind of um by covid uh kind of in this sort of new world i feel like he's been from what i've been reading anyway he's been producing false positives and you know some tournaments like the us open have said you can't play uh but interestingly he he went to hamburg and even though he was positive he was still allowed to play so it's very interesting there the sort of um you know mindset that that tournaments are having towards uh you know positive uh, covid tests and you know pair is in the the main draw for Roland garros um i think he's scheduled to face son wu kwon from korea hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. 
Um, so I, yeah, I don't know if I, I don't know if that's you know that's it feels like that will happen. But it's interesting that um, you know it feels like tournament by tournament there are different approaches to you know uh, pos- positive tests, um, and I don't know how the French Open is going to differ from the US Open, but I feel like regardless, it's going to be a bit different. Yeah, he Benoit Pev really hasn't had a very good time of it, has he? And and I mean, he must be feeling a bit miff because you know he he said he went off to you know um, to Rome and his test was negative, and then it came back positive in Hamburg. But I think the the reason it's come back positive is because he's got like residue of the virus, so he's not infectious anymore. But there's still kind of ongoing residue in his body. But you know he's. It's obviously still being allowed to to play, but in other countries, you know, that wouldn't be the case. It's just all a mess. I mean, there's so much, uh, as we know, surrounding kind of the, the protocols and the regulations around the virus and, you know, across the world is so different and varied. And I feel like Benoit Pair is like, his experience is a bit of a microcosm of that. And I I mean, we'll see if he gets out on court against uh, Soon Wu Kwon. Uh, but uh, if he does, I, he might be so kind of, stressed by the whole thing he might just lose you know so easily i don't think he's going to be playing cards again in the, no. in the hotel <laughs> I, think. I think he's learned that lesson um, for sure and i'm sure other players might be i don't know steering well <laughs> clear of him perhaps uh you know temporarily but uh yes we shall see joel um and yeah we'll take a quick break now and then we'll be looking at the women's draw uh as well as revealing our collector set for this year's uh roland garros and and our predictions so uh see you in a moment This is The Passing Shot and you're joined by Joel and Kim. And now we're going to move on to look at the women's draw uh, for Roland Garros, which, you know, Joel, we've been sort of having a discussion and a bit of an analysis of this. And I think we've both agreed that the top half of the draw is quite uh, heavy with uh, candidates for taking the title home. And I think we're both in agreement that Simona Halep is by far our favourite to to win the tournament. She does seem to be a bit of an overwhelming favourite, would you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, if if there's kind of three contenders for, you know, the French Open on the men's side, I really can't see anyone beyond Simona Halep being, um, you know, on, on the women's side, particularly, uh, you know, given the way that she's, play- she's been playing, you know, she's uh, on a 14-match, three-tournament win streak, She's got a nice, easy kind of route to kind of play herself in um, in Roland Garros before kind of taking on uh, potentially some more kind of meteor competition kind of later on. But um, yeah, I mean, really kind of the fact that, you know, Ash Barty's not here, Asaka's not here, Bianca Andreescu's not here. I mean, just very quickly on that, when is Andreescu going to be another Grand Slam? Because that uh, unfortunately feels, um, you know, feels like it's just been um, happening every time a Grand Slam comes around, she puts an announcement out on social media. But I mean, for Simona Halep, you know, the fact that these kind of players, these these level of players aren't going to be there, I think it just kind of plays into her hands. The fact that she, you know, loves playing on a, on a clay court. We've seen how, you know, how good she is in terms of kind of moving around the court. Um, she's going to be a very tough opponent to beat. Absolutely. She is really looking like the hot favourite. And I think she's in quite a good headspace as well. You know, she sort of said that over 
this year and, and lockdown, she's just become more relaxed. And, you know, she's won this title before. She's playing really well. You know, she has reasons to be relaxed and confident. And, you know, there's no Barty, there's no Andrescu, there's no Osaka. Um, she is kind of the standout candidate, really, to take the title home. And and looking at her draw, you know, she opens against Cerebe's Tormo of Spain, Jill Teichman, second round, Anisimova, third round, who actually did beat her at this event last year. I, I wouldn't expect that result to happen again. Um, Von Drusova in the fourth round, potentially, you know, last year's finalist. But I think Halep will will make quite easy work of her if, they, if that matchup goes ahead. I mean, I think really, you know, in this section of the draw, in the top half, the other names we're really looking at are uh, Victoria Azarenka, you know, fresh off a US Open final and a kind of surprising run to the quarters in Rome. Uh, you know, she she has an interesting draw, though, Joel, if we look at uh, who Vika is going to be playing, because she could potentially face uh, Venus Williams in the second round and Serena Williams in, I think, the fourth round. So, you know, she <laughs> she's potentially going to be playing... Um, you know, Serena again, uh, we could have another matchup. Uh, she's got Putin Saver, possibly third round. Like she hasn't got the easiest of draws, but I would be really keen to see uh, Azarenka Halep semi-final, which uh, could could possibly happen. Uh, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I mean, Azarenka has been on fire, really, uh, you know, whatever whatever tennis court she wants to play on it. Um, and, you know, I think we spoke about it, the fact that, you know, she lost a bit early in, in kind of Rome. I actually think that will do her some good in terms of being able to prep properly, uh, you know, f- this week for, for Roland Garros and have a little bit of a break. But um, yeah, I mean, that kind of Azarenka, Serena Williams matchup. I mean, obviously that match happened at the US Open. That was Azarenka's first win over Serena at a Grand Slam uh, level at the uh, at the US Open. Um so, uh, you know, that already is kind of leaping out at me in terms of, oh, that could that be a chance for, for payback for, for Serena? But yeah, certainly that um, part of the draw is very interesting and full of, you know, full of players that definitely have potential to go deep because, I mean, Svitolina's uh, in there, um, Elise Mertens, uh, you know, uh, Contivate. There are players there that could definitely kind of pose problems, um, you know, in terms of, you know, looking at Azarenka uh, and, and getting a kind of a semi-final berth. Svetlana Peronkova is also lurking in that section. Oh, Joel. is it? Oh, love <laughs> and it. She, if we look at Serena Williams, who's kind of at the bottom of that section, um, she could face Svetlana Peronkova in the second round. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And also Serena is, funnily enough, opening up against Christy Arn for the second slam in a row. Oh. Um, Christy Arn <laughs> must just be like, oh my God, and not, not this again. I know. Um, I mean, looking at Serena Williams, you know, she's in this sort of really tricky section that's potentially, you know, Azarenka and then even you know beyond that she'd have to get through like Halep to even reach the final I mean is anyone really going to pick Serena to win this title at all you know she this is like the worst slam of of her career but she still won it uh three times Uh, I think her last final she made was four years ago um but she hasn't done so well obviously the last few years she lost to Sophia Kenin uh last year in the third round I don't really see her as a as a I know it's hard to like write Serena off in a in a Grand Slam, but I really don't see her coming home with the title. 
Um, I mean, I, I, I want her to get 24, don't get me wrong, but I don't see it happening at this at this particular time. I mean, it's a weird thing to say, but I feel like if I see Serena Williams in the, you know, in the second week, uh, that'll be an achievement if I'm, if I'm being quite frank. Um, you know, I think if we look and see, yeah, I, I mean, I think, you know, the draw could, it might play into our hands, you know, Azarenka might go out, if Azarenka went out early, for example, you know, that might give Serena Williams the, you know, the, um, the route through to potentially to the, the semis, but I still feel with Azarenka as an obstacle, I think if that obstacle is there in, in the fourth round, I think Azarenka wins that. But, you know, let's let's wait and see. There's lots of matches, you know, to go on before then. Venus Williams, as you said, is in that section as well and could face, um, could also face uh, Serena Williams potentially um, if Venus comes through Azarenka, that match could be a, a second round match. So again, Venus Williams is probably like, oh, why do I keep having to face Victoria Azarenka? <laughs> um, so yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we've also obviously got, you know, Karolina Pliskova, uh, you know, the bottom half, we've got, you know, Kenin, Kerber, Kvitova, uh, Madison Keys, you know, they're all kind of names that are sort of spring out at you, but it's just it's very hard to kind of actually be convinced that, you know, someone like Carolina Pliskova is going to go all the way. I really don't see that happening. I think she would have done it by now if she was going to do it. Um, and obviously she had that injury uh, in the Rome final. So don't really know about her fitness as well. If you look at the bottom half of the draw, you've got those names I've just mentioned, but you've got one name that, you know, Garbina Muguruza, former champion. Um, what, Stone Stevens? Not Stone Stevens. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she's been on a great run of form this year, Joel. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, Muguruza, you know, one of your favourites, Joel. She She's looking good. She got to the semis in Rome, just lost a you know, tight three-setter three to, to Halep. You know, she knows what it takes to win a Grand Slam. She got to the final of the AO earlier in this year. I think on her day, she's, you know, extremely hard to beat. And I see her being the one that's most likely to come through from that bottom half, uh, personally speaking. I, I You know, I, I'd have to give her the edge over the likes of, you know, Sophia Kennan, who got double bageled last week, you know, for example. I think it's just, you'd, you'd have to give the edge to, to Muguruza. Yeah, I mean, this bottom half, really, it's a real guessing game, isn't it? In terms of who's going to be coming through that. You think Muguruza is the outstanding candidate. Um, you've got Jennifer Brady in there on Zabor. On we all know uh, is, is a very good, very good player on a clay court. Rai Bikina, um, you know, uh, there are sort of dangerous dark horses, I think. But I think Muguruza, certainly the way she kind of played in Rome has put herself, you know, at the kind of the, the top of the list in terms of who you'd expect to kind of come through um you know in that in that bottom half as you said it feels like in the bottom half there are players there who are almost like we remember them for like glories like a few years ago you've got Kvitova, Kerber, Madison Keys, Sloane Stevens, Yelena Ostapenko French Open champion is unseeded and could face uh Pushkova in round two and she's now working with Thomas Hogstead yeah. apparently so yeah that could possibly Ostapenko actually looked all right in 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 Strasbourg, which is going on at the moment. She lost um, today in in two tie breaks, but um, I think if if I mean I don't know how fit Pushkova is, but I do think Ostapenko with a new coach, uh, if if she is working with Hochstedt at, at the French Open, I do think Ostapenko could take out 
Karolina Pushkova in mm. the second round. Um, but who knows? But yeah, it does feel like this, you know, it, it feels like the, the, the bottom, bottom half of the, uh, the women's draw is playing for the right to lose to, to, uh, to Muguruza for me in the, in the semifinals. But we shall, we shall see Kim because, um, yeah, it feels very open in, in that bottom half. And we've never said that about the women's draws, have we? That it's very open. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, let's talk Brits because we've got two British females in in Roland Garros. Joe Conta, obviously, the most uh, notable. She's got a bit of a interesting first round against Coco Goff. Uh, that sent some shockwaves through, uh, I think, tennis Twitter. I mean, Coco Goff, we don't really know what she's like on clay. Like, she's never played Roland Garros before. Like, but Joe Conta, you know, reached semis last year, but before that had never won a match at this event. So what Joe Conta are we going to see? You know, is Coco Goff going to... I mean, I don't know. I'm expecting Joe to come through it just because Goff on clay is a bit of an unknown quantity. But I really wouldn't be surprised if Goff was to win. Uh, I mean, let's just kind of look at Conta's form just kind of coming out of, of lockdown. I mean, the players she's lost to, I mean, she's basically lost to like Grand Slam champions. She lost to, what, she lost to Azarenka in um, Cincinnati. Uh, she lost to Muguruza in, in Rome. I know she and lost in... Veronica Steyer is not a Grand yeah, Slam okay, champion. Okay, right, we'll forget, we'll forget <laughs> that one, Kim. But I mean, she's lost to, you know, she's lost to some really high caliber yes, players which true. makes me which makes me like like think like yes I'm I'm confident like the players there I don't think you know she's um you know I I I don't kind of see her um what am I trying to say here? I I kind of see like her getting to a point where you know her seeding would suggest um she could get to could she kind of back it up and go to the semi-finals again I think that might be a tall order I mean she could potentially have you know, Sakari um, in the third round. Uh, Kiki Burton's also is is in that is in that part. I mean, it's not like out of the question, but um, I think she's going to have to be playing. You know, you know as well as she can um, to to kind of to navigate it. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know what day that this match is scheduled for, but I this is one I will certainly be tuning into. I can assure you. Um, we've also got Heather Watson though. She's up against Fiona Ferro in the first round, who is like a home, home hope. Uh, pretty, I don't know. I, Fiona Farrow is a pretty decent, decent young player. Mm. So I mean, she, won, an Palermo, she won Palermo. She won Palermo on clay. Yes. The first, that was the yeah. first tournament, first tournament out of, out of lockdown. I mean, she's a very, I think she's a very um, tidy player on a clay court. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not confident. Yeah, I'd give Ferro the edge for sure. I mean, even if Watson was to get through, she'd be playing probably Rybakina in the second round, who is in the semis of Strasbourg and, you know, a very, very decent player. So, yeah, I don't know about the British women. (laughs) We'll see. Uh, Harriet Dart sadly didn't make it through qualifying. She lost in the second round. Um, So, yeah, just the the two two British ladies uh, this time around. But, um, you know, very excited. I'm still, you know, although I think Halep is probably going to win the tournament, still really excited, obviously, for what's going to happen. There are some, you know, exciting matches. One of my favourites, Caroline Garcia, she's got a net contivate in the first round, which is not ideal, but that could be, that could be, uh, you know, that could be a tasty you match. Know. You never um, know. The other match that really caught my eye was Iga Swiatek, you know, the young Polish uh, hope against Von Drusova, last year's finalist. So 
you know, Von Drusiver could be out of the first hurdle because Swiatek is a very tidy player and one to watch for sure. So um, they, that was kind of a standout match, you know, when I was looking through the draw earlier today that kind of sprang to mind. Yeah, I mean... <sighs> Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking through the draw at the moment. There's not as many, it feels to me there's not as many eye-popping matches in the in round one um, than there are potentially in in kind of the men's draw. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's let's wait and see. I'm sure there's going to be some fantastic sort of matchups. I think I'm kind of maybe even looking forward potentially. I think there's going to be more exciting matchups kind of further into kind of the tournament. Um, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, it's funny you talk about Von Drusevo because she was the finalist last year and we're just kind of like, we haven't really even, we're like <laughs> 47 minutes into the podcast. And we've not really, really, really even spoken about her. So, I mean, uh, she's not going to be able, is she, to to back that up and, and get to the final again, is she? Is she? <laughs> you sound a bit exasperated like, <laughs> talking about her. Yeah, I mean... I wouldn't expect that to happen. I think it would be very surprising if it did. Um, but Joel, it does bring us on nicely to our <laughs> collector set because Ooh, yes. um, we have decided on six players who we want our listeners to um, predict how far they're going to go in the tournament. So if for anyone who hasn't played along previously, we have six names, three men, three women. Um, we want everyone to predict um, what round they're going to reach in the tournament. Um, and basically the winner is the person who gets the most uh, right out of those six players. And Marquette von Drusova is going to be one of those players that we are uh, making everyone predict on. Um, we've also, Joel, we've also gone for two two very well-known female players, Garbina Muguruza, as we were just talking quite a lot about her before, and also Jennifer Brady, you know, recent US Open semi-finalist. How is she going to do on the clay? We are not sure what to expect. Um, now that she's kind of a new woman, <laughs> is she going to carry on her run of form on the clay? Or, you know, is she going to kind of revert back to maybe what we would have expected of her in the past so um I hope she doesn't become like a Madison I hope she doesn't become like a Madison Keys where she has a really good like US Open and Mm. then kind of sort of falls by the wayside a bit but yeah we've got Von Drusova, Brady, Muguruza for the women uh in terms of the men we've also got three names for you uh and they're block they are blockbuster names we've got Dominic Team, Stefanos Sissipas and Kim, your favourite, Rafael Nadal. Oh, I thought you were so... going to say Dennis Isterman then, Joel. But he's, <laughs> he's not even allowed to play. He had COVID. Um, oh, yes. Yeah. No. Oh, gosh. Isterman is, Isterman is not there. But yeah, I'm interested to hear what our listeners are going to predict for Rafa because it does feel like this is, if there was one time that he, you know, wasn't you know ready, uh, you know, to going into Roland Garros, this feels like one of them. So. Would are, are our listeners going to predict him to be the champion, or you know, is he going to fall at the semi-finals? I don't know. Um, Dominic Team as well. I mean, he could face Rafa in the semi, so there's a bit of a. It could be a bit of a conflict there. And then you've got Sissipas in the, in the top path, who again has been playing pretty good tennis. We know he can play pretty good tennis on on a clay court, and um, yeah, is in that top path. Could he come through Medvedev? So um, yeah, so those six to recap are Von Drusova, uh, Brady. Muguruza, Team, Sissipas, and Nadal. We will put a tweet out um, on our um, on our Twitter page, uh, just kind of 
telling everyone um, those six players. And as kind of Kim said, we what you, we want you to do is guess what round um, those each player will get to, and just kind of you can either let us know, you can tweet us, um, or you can email us as well, passing shot pod at gmail.com but make sure to get your predictions in before the first ball is played on sunday if you can um just yeah just tweet us and and we'll let and we'll we'll uh we'll write it down on our little spreadsheet and and keep you updated uh through the through the tournament yes i love that little spreadsheet it's fantastic (laughs) (laughs) i love it when like a big name loses well i don't know everyone's predicted the same thing and then there's like a sea of red uh, when that player (laughs) fails to meet expectations Uh, but joel i think we should have another little prediction challenge uh maybe this is more for british fans or those more interested in the british players um who do you think is going to be the last brit standing you know at the us open it was actually cam norrie who reached the third round i don't think many people were predicting that he would be the last brit to stand so who do you think it's going to be at Roland Garros uh he's going to be the last British player left in the draw and how how far do you think they'll go as well yes we're talking we're talking singles Brits aren't we yes yes apologies to the doubles guys uh but yeah just sing just singles for this one um I'm gonna go for I'm gonna have to go for Joe Conta um I just think looking at her draw I think she's got I don't think any of the Brits have got great got great draws if i'm being honest um but um you know i think conta's certainly in the best place to kind of go deep um i'm i'm looking at her draw and i'm thinking that she's gonna go uh, she's gonna go on a run and basically lose to simona hallett which uh, would be a very kind of satisfactory end i think to her, <laughs> to her run in, in the french open but um yeah i think she could face Simona Halep in the quarterfinals. So I'm, I think, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at Quanta as my, as my last Brit standing. I mean, she's got a few toughies in there. She could play, as you said, Goff, um, Georgie, Sakari, but I'm, I'm backing her to do the business and then losing straights to Simona Halep in the quarters. Fair, fair enough. I mean, I'm just a bit concerned. Like that, she's she's kind of coachless. I'm I'm not really sure what to expect. Oh, yeah, um, true. I really want her. I would love her to you know get to the quarters and beyond. But I think oh, I think I'm going to randomly. Well, I think I think I'm going to be random and go a bit rogue and and just say Cam Norrie because I think he's got a qualifier in the first round and we don't know who that's going to be yet. But I think you know it could be a decent decent enough person that Cam can overcome. Although he did. Cam did lose to someone ranked, I don't know, 300 something uh, just this week, I think, in a challenger. So perhaps uh, not in the best shape. But uh, yeah, I would say Cam Norrie to reach the second round. And uh, I mean, I think he might be due to play Novak, actually, in the second round. You could play Djokovic in the third well, round. So third obviously, round. Okay, third round. obviously you're banking on some sort of <laughs> cranio booster <laughs> controversy. And well, Norrie's going to go through, go through to the to the fourth round. Possibly. I mean, <laughs> maybe there's more chance of that happening than than when Cam played Davidovich well. Fakina. But um, <laughs> yes, we'll we'll see. Uh, we, we will see. Um, but yes, l- listeners, let us know who who you think will be the last Brit standing as well. Um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on that one too. And Joel, just just to finish off, um, I think. You know, my, my dinner's getting cold, so we need, let's wrap this up. <laughs> um, who do you think is going to be the singles winners? You know, I think we've kind of touched upon this quite a bit, but like two words, two, like two names, who's it going to be? 
Novak Djokovic, Garbinia Muguruza. Oh, you've gone against Halep. Surprising. Okay. I know. I've probably just spoken like the last 15, <laughs> 20 minutes about how amazing Halep is. But I just think, I think Muguruza, uh, I just think that she raises her game. When she, I know that Halep raises, also raises her game when they get to kind of Grand Slam finals. But if that situation arises, which I'm fully expecting it to do, um, yeah, I, I'm I'm going to go Muguruza. Also, I think Muguruza's got a little bit of an easier path. So I think that mm. could potentially pay dividends uh, deeper into the tournament. Um, and Novak Djokovic, no explanation needed. I'm still, I'm, I'm expecting a Djokovic-Nadal final, but I'm going to say like Nadal's going to be knackered from his Dominic team semi-final. Um, okay. And Djokovic is just going to, is, is going to win. So Djokovic, Muguruza. What about you, Kim? What are you what are you thinking? Um, Rafael Nadal and Simona Halep. Uh maybe that's an element of wishful thinking, but I would love Rafa to prove everyone wrong. Um, you know, I mean, even ourselves included, we've been saying that, you know, the conditions, the time of the year, he hasn't played much. Uh, you know, Novak and team or but I, I would love Rafa to just prove everyone wrong and be like, it doesn't matter when Roland Garros has played. It doesn't matter how much I've played coming into it. I'm still, you know, the king of clay and I'm I'm still going to take my title again. Um, so, yes, I would I would love Rafa to do it, um, obviously. <laughs> and, yeah, Halep, I'd, I'd really like her to, you know, get another slam. I think she she deserves it. And, and I mean, if she continues her form, you know, so far, she, I, I see her as the most likely likely candidate i'd be happy to see her lift the title yes well we shall see um the passing shot will of course be doing our round by round coverage um over the next two weeks at Roland garros um like we did with the the us open so make sure you do subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice so you stay up to date on all the action from the french open so whether you're on apple podcasts on spotify Castbox, Overcast, Stitcher will be on there. Just make sure you hit that subscribe button. And if you have been enjoying our content over the last uh, few weeks since lockdown on Apple Podcasts, make sure to leave us a rating and comment. And you can also follow us on social media, Twitter, Instagram and Facebook uh, at Passing Shot Pod. Uh, and you can also get in contact with us via email as well, PassingShotPod at gmail.com. So do let us know your thoughts. Let us know your predictions for collector set um and yeah do do give us a chat uh, during the next few weeks uh whilst all the tennis is going on yes we'll be uh making sure that we tweet as well uh coverage uh whilst it goes on but yeah do get in those collector set predictions and we will um announce ours as well um on uh on twitter on social media before the first ball strikes on sunday so watch out for that as well but um yeah Looking forward to the French Open starts starts this weekend, so um, I'm I'm able to kind of you know not have think about work and just kind of sit in front of the telly and just kind of watch all the tennis. So uh, yeah, I'm sure Kim will be doing the same. But yeah, we're we're really looking forward to it, and uh, we hope you are too. And uh, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see you we'll see you next time. We'll see you for our round one catch up, which I think will be on Tuesday evening. So watch out for that one. But um, yeah, see you soon. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com. <laughs> 